What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, justice, charity. The list goes on. I wouldn't spend time with your questions. I pray with them. I'll study. And hopefully I will respond to you in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But my disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. Therefore, the advice that I share with you, the responses I give to you might not be good for you. If that's the case, then I really want to encourage you to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in holiness, that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if my advice is helpful or difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into God so that God give you the grace over time to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you are a first-time listener, you can put your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people as well. On today's show, we're going to address three topics. We're going to be talking about fasting for beginners. We're also going to talk about spiritual dryness, particularly whenever we're not seeing fruit from our prayer and our fasting. And we're going to end the show with some practicals for engaged couples. And so before we get to those topics, I'm about to drink some coffee and then share with you a glory story. Coffee in the morning, coffee in the evening, coffee at supper time. Oh yeah, I drink some coffee and I drink some wine. All right, so, I mean, I'm not drinking wine right now because it's five o'clock in the morning, but uh, I am drinking coffee. So, glory stories is this, y'all. I am so excited about, about Jesus and what he's about to do in the United States of America, in this land. I had a meeting recently with Bishop Cousins. Uh, he is a really, really solid bishop in the United States of America. And so he and I were on the meeting call, um, Ralph Martin and a few other intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. And we were uh, talking and praying about a Eucharistic revival in our nation, right? Um, and some of the potential things that are going to happen over the next few years, uh, God willing, Y'all, it's going to be crazy. So, so cool. So my glory story is I'm just happy to, 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 to be able to sit at the table with Bishop Cousins and, and to collaborate with him in the future to, uh, man, just share Jesus in the Eucharist, to share Jesus in the Eucharist with so many people and to, to um, man, promote Eucharistic adoration, Eucharistic processions and, um, and, understanding of the the Eucharist uh, yeah it some things that are going to happen over the next couple of years 
it's gonna blow your mind. It's gonna end. So I yeah. Okay, so I guess I feel like I'm teasing you right now. So I am. I'm gonna tell you more later, but I would just say this. My glory story is is we got some really beautiful things happening with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um and I really do believe I believe Eucharist Eucharistic adoration is is one of the keys to healing all the division we have, you know, right? You know, uh, uh, yeah, it's just if we could get more people to sit in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, uh, people who have different ideologies, different theologies, different ecclesiologies, people of different political views, people of different government, different backgrounds and circumstances. If we just get people to sit in the presence of the Eucharist, Jesus really will transform people over time. I remember when I was, um, and I, I shared this before, but I was a missionary in Calcutta years ago. I remember there was a Lutheran seminarian who the sisters invited to adoration every day, Mother Feast's nuns. And he came. And after going to adoration every day, he began to believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. He came to believe in transubstantiation, all because he sat, knelt daily in the presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. His sisters never catechized him. I never, I never catechized him. Jesus did it. And it was all because they made Jesus Christ available and they invited people to come and visit with Jesus. And so I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've gone through something and I've struggled and then I just went and sat with Jesus and all of a sudden peace came and clarity came. And uh, the circumstances probably were still messy, but I was able to have this interior peace and transformation just by going and sitting in the presence of the Son of God. So there are some really powerful things that are going to be happening over the next few years. And I believe that it is just, uh, it, is, it is a great time to be alive, y'all. It is, we are living in a great time to be alive. Uh, so yeah, and we get to participate in it. So I start praying for the, those initiatives, and as the weeks go on, I will share more details with you about some of the good things that Jesus Christ is going to be doing in our community. Now, before we get into our topics, I got some feedback from a previous show from Anonymous. Anonymous says this, thank you so much for what you do. I'm a homeschooling mom of seven kids, 11 and under, and have no time for spiritual reading. And most of my prayers consist of basic meantime prayers and oh help prayers added here and there about the only thing I could do for enrichment is squeeze in Catholic podcasts at night. Shows like these allow me to actually grow my faith while living through a challenging time. Thank you, Anonymous. Well, God bless you. I'm so grateful to be able to walk with you uh, and your seven kids. Uh, so, um, yeah, God bless you. Uh, homeschooling is cool. I was not homeschooled. I was a public school kid. But um, I know a lot of really cool homeschool families. So uh, shout out to all those moms and dads who homeschool their kids in their walk toward eternity. Now, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. So first question is about fasting for beginners, and it comes in from Adam. Adam says this, I know that fasting is mentioned a lot of times in the Bible and other church teachings. Other than Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, I don't typically fast regularly with regards to spiritual or penitential focus. 
Can you share what fasting may have looked like through church history and how to start to add fasting for beginners like me looking to add this to get closer with our Lord? How would you suggest to open this area to social environments and to avoid awkward situations with friends or family? Um, Adam, Adam, that's a great question. So fasting is like super, uber, super necessary. Um, I actually it came up in my prayer recently. I was um, you know, so God has been so generous to me in my ministry lately with regards to like praying with people in meetings, whether it's um, walking with guys in discernment or young ladies in discernment, whether it is uh, giving pastoral counseling to my students at LSU or or, or even praying with my brother priest. Uh, it, it, prayer has been really, really, really fire just lately with regards to ministry prayer. But like my personal prayer has been super dry, uh, which is not a problem. But, and so uh, it's sometimes it's, it's like this. It's, it's a relationship. So sometimes prayer is like really fun and other times it's really dry. I mean, for Mother Teresa, it was dry for 50 years and she was doing nothing wrong. It's just that's where God was drawing her. So I was recently sitting with the, the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and I uh, I was talking to him and I said, Jesus, like, why is my prayer dry right now? I mean, again, I'm praying, I'm, I'm showing up, he's showing up, so it's happening. But is there a reason that it's dry that I need to be aware of? Is it because I'm, am, am I too busy right now? Is it because I am in sin in some way, shape, or form, and I'm like cutting myself off from your grace? Is it because uh, you're inviting me to pray in a new way and you're you're trying to tell me clearly, like, do something different right now? Like, what is it because you're stripping me? Uh, I, so as I was sitting with the Lord trying to discern why is my prayer dry, I opened up the Bible because, again, the Bible is the voice of God. So when I look at the Eucharist, I'm looking at the face of Jesus. When I open the Bible, I'm listening to the voice of Jesus. So open up the Bible, and the first words I noticed were, when you pray, when you fast, when you give alms. And notice what the, what the gospel says. Jesus does not say, if you pray, and if you fast, and if you give alms. He says, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give alms. And the Lord just, just convicted me because I do fast, but lately uh, I've been very, I would say making uh, a lot, I've been lax in my fasting, right? Um, I've been making concessions here and there. Well, I guess I could, you know, do this too on this fast day. And I guess I could, it won't hurt if I, if I did, you know, so there's been little ways that I've been breaking my fast and the Lord reminded me in prayer, very gently, he wasn't condemning me. Uh, He was more so convicting me. He was just like gently reminding me, Josh, like you've committed to fasting. You've committed to fasting for vocations, um, for your guys in discernment in the seminary, for your brother priest. You've committed to fasting and right now you've been kind of lax. And so like you're, essentially you're lying to me. So the image he gave me was like, imagine if one of your friends had a weekly appointment with you and every week they showed up late. If they still showed up, but like they, they came late or they, or they didn't come prepared and like, and they knew about the meeting every week and they kept doing it over and over again. Like that would eventually like hurt the relationship a little bit. And so he was just reminding my Josh, like you are, you've committed on paper on your calendar too fast and you aren't fully showing up. Like you're, you're kind of doing it halfway. And so, um, yeah. And, and that was why my prayer has been dry because of, of my disobedience to that, which me and my spiritual director have discerned the Lord has invited me to do in this season of my priesthood. And so, um, fasting is, is something that all disciples are called to do in some way, shape or form, right? Uh, again, if you have health issues, if you are sick, if you have eating disorders, then we can modify this and you can fast from other things outside of food. But typically it is food that the Lord asks us to fast from. And this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Adam. Adam, like going back to the garden, like one of the very first commandments that God gave 
in the book of Genesis was for Adam and Eve to fast, to fast from eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was one of the very first commandments. And Adam and Eve chose to not fast. They chose to disregard God's command. And look at the, the negative fruit that came from their lack of fasting. But then we see also in the Old Testament other people who did choose to be obedient to that first command of God to fast, people like Moses. And when Moses fasted, he was able to hear with clarity the voice of God, so much so that he was able to communicate to us the Ten Commandments. Elijah was a man of fasting, right? So fasting was something that they did, and it opened them up to a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. But they weren't the only ones who fasted. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, also fasted, so he never asked us to do something he himself did not do. He prayed all the time, so he expects us to pray all the time. He fasted quite frequently throughout his walk toward Jerusalem. Before he began his public ministry, he spent 40 days in prayer and in fasting, combating the enemy uh, and so uh, the devil. So there's a, a spiritual warfare, and we are all in the spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. And so that's why it's important for us also to fast, especially those of us who are involved in apostolates or in ministry. We need to be men and women who not only pray, but also fast because we are fighting against powers and principalities um, and dominions. We're fighting against fallen angels, these demons. And so if we're going to persevere in our walk toward eternity, then we need to imitate Jesus and so many of the saints who have preceded us in our walk toward heaven who fasted, St. Basil the Great, he says, you will find that fasting guided all the saints to a godly way of life. And so fasting is super important. Pope Benedict XVI, um, our, our Pope Emeritus, he said that fasting is a spiritual arm to do battle against every possible disordered attachment to ourselves. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we have concupiscence. We all have disordered attachments. Again, that's that word that a lot of people don't like. Wow, disordered. No, we all got disorders. Because of concupiscence, we all have a few disorders here and there. And so in order to heal those disorders, fasting is the remedy. Fasting is the prescription that the Lord gives us. Fasting helps us to conform our will to the will of God. We don't just fast for superficial reasons to lose weight. We fast as a spiritual means to grow in intimacy, to grow in union, to grow in communion with God. And this is something that not only the saints did, this is something that not only Jesus Christ did himself and calls us to do. Again, when you fast, he says, not if. Um, but this is something that was practiced in the early church. In the early church, uh, the Didache, which was written around 100 AD, we read this, but let not your fast be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and fifth day of the week, but you should fast on the fourth day, Wednesday, and the preparation day, Friday. Friday is typically a traditional day of fasting because it's the day that we remember the suffering of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus Christ suffered and died for us on the cross, and so fasting on Fridays is a way that we can remember his crucifixion. Our Blessed Mother, you know, Medjugorje is not approved. The messages of Medjugorje aren't approved. Uh, but, you know, Fatima is, and Fatima was a message of prayer and penance. But Medjugorje, even though it's not approved, I do think that the message of prayer and fasting is something that is consistent with church teaching, with church history throughout the, the, the years, Wednesdays and Fridays, some kind of fast. And again, 
if you have eating disorders, then fast from television, fast from um, music for a day, fast from hot showers, fast from something. But also, if you have an eating disorder, you could do uh, hidden fast, which I'm going to recommend later because one of the questions in this that Adam was asking about was, what about with family and friends and social gatherings? How do we do it in such a way that it doesn't draw attention to ourselves? Well, even if you have like eating disorders or health issues, you can still fast from pleasure in food. So choose to fast from salt and pepper if you really like that on your food. Choose to fast from uh, your favorite kind of salad dressing. Uh, choose to fast from food that you actually enjoy and eat food that will nourish your body but also at the same time, you will literally get no pleasure from eating. So it's just so super bland. It's not tasty. Uh, it's not edifying. It doesn't give you pleasure. And so that way you're still able to like participate in some kind of fast without being too too intense. Fasting can look different. Uh, the, the church's definition of fasting has a different range. I mean, it, it could be uh, literally uh, you fast by eating two small meals and one main meal a day, which is you know not that difficult. Or you can fast on water and bread all day long, or you can fast from water and bread for breakfast and lunch. And then at dinner, you can have a small meal. Your main meal isn't a big meal, but it's a small meal. Um, you can, it can look different, but whatever it looks like, the encouragement is that in the beginning, don't try to be, like don't be too extreme, right? You start off first by asking God to give you the grace to fast. Because even this action, you are too weak. I'm too weak. We need God's help. Like, so if you try to fast without praying, saying, God, give me the grace to fast, you're probably going to mess up and get a Snickers or Reese's Pieces at the end of the night. Hashtag, that's what I did. But so fr- pr- prayer must precede fasting. And then when we fast, we fast with something that we're going to like feel, and it's going to draw us to more prayer. So that way God, God's word is sustaining us. God's, God's word is feeding us. But you start small. So like maybe in the beginning, if you pick Wednesday and Friday, then like do small, two small meals, one main meal. Um, and obviously no, and abstain from meat while you're at it. Um, and then after that, like kind of work your way up to bread and water. Or if you don't, aren't able to eat bread, then like, you know, whatever, two bananas and water. I don't know, something like that. But start small and build it up. And this can also help you, particularly whenever it comes to hiding your fasting as well. Uh, so, yeah. It's, it's, it's a way that you, Padre Pio did this. Padre Pio, he, when he was fasting and he didn't want people to know he was fasting, he would, you know, get food and he would sit there and he would nibble on it in front of everybody. So people had no idea that he was barely eating, you know, what was on his plate on those days. St. Alphonsus, he says, according to cash and the duty of all that live in communities is to avoid as a source of much vainglory, whatever is not conformable to the common usages of the monastery. Where says St. Philip Neri, there is a common table all should eat of what is served up. So uh, he would quite often uh, communicate to his disciples that it is important to avoid all singularity as the origin of spiritual pride and a courageous religious finds opportunities to practice mortification without allowing it to appear to to other people. Um, And so there's ways that you can still hang out with your family and friends, but deny yourself any pleasure, right? And so uh, just get water. When they go out for drinks, just order water. You really want to get that drink? Fast from alcohol. Um, uh, if you drink coffee, fast from cream uh, and sugar. You really shouldn't put sugar in your coffee anyway. Sugar's not good for you. So I hear. But there's like these little things. I'm about to drink. Speaking of coffee, let me go ahead and drink some coffee right now. Hold on. Uh, coffee. Coffee. Wow. It's such a simple, it's such a simple gift that the Lord has given to us. You know, I didn't drink coffee my whole life. My mom used to make me milk coffee when I was a kid. And then uh, in seminary, I never drank coffee. 
until I did hospital ministry and I had to do 24 hour shifts and had to stay up. And that's when I started drinking coffee. And then when I started drinking coffee to stay up, I was like, well, I might as well like coffee. So I started finding good coffee. And now I found the best coffee. And uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful. What were we talking about again? Uh, <laughs> fasting. So yeah, um, I, so that's those are just some some simple things that you can fast from. Um, I fast from social media. I mean, I think right now social media is becoming an idol. I think it's important to abstain from that, to fast from that if possible um, uh, in seasons of your life. Uh, fast from the tongue, from saying unnecessary comments. Uh, sometimes you really want to say things that aren't important, so just don't. Fast from saying it. Fast from... Fast from a lot of things, yeah. Don't fast from deodorants. Don't fast from brushing your teeth. That won't be good for you or the body of Christ. Yeah, but fasting is a gift. Fasting helps us to prepare for the Lord. That's why we fast before Mass. We fast before we receive the Blessed Sacrament because it helps us to to reorient our attention to God and so wanting to receive God, to prepare our hearts for God. Like Moses fasted before he received God's Word in the Ten Commandments, we fast before we receive God in the Eucharist. So fasting helps us to like long for the one who we were really created for. So anyways, long story short, what I'm basically trying to say is if you're not fasting already, ask God for the grace and start to fast. Because again, Jesus does not say if you fast. He says when you fast. So it's kind of an expectation. And again, if you have any kind of eating disorders or health disabilities that will prevent you from fasting from food, then fast from other good things that are out there so that you can long more for God in the Eucharist, in the Word, and in the poorest of the poor. All right, so what is directly connected with fasting, as I mentioned earlier, is spiritual dryness. So the next question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous says this, Father Josh, I have prayed for years for the conversion of someone very dear to my heart. I prayed for countless chap- I prayed countless chaplets, rosaries, novenas, and I've shed many tears. Unfortunately, I've not seen anything remotely close to a conversion. It's an intention that has begun to affect my faith, and now I struggle with prayer. I'm spiritually dry. It's been a few months since I've spent time in prayer, and prayer has always been a source of peace for me. Can you please provide me some guidance or encouraging words to regain faith and strength to keep pushing forward and shake the spiritual dryness I'm struggling with? Yes, I can. Number one, go pray. Period. Like, go spend time with Jesus. Prayer is relationship with Jesus, and we don't want to avoid him because we're not getting our way. Like, that's, 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 that's hurtful to the Lord. So just because I don't see fruit, doesn't mean I punish God by, by, by giving him the silent treatment. Go talk to God no matter what. Love God for God, not for what God can do for you. Don't make an idol out of your, your desires. Let God be your one. Let God be enough. Let God be sufficient. So my first encouragement is to stop listening to this podcast right now and go sit with Jesus for the next 15 minutes. Go read scripture. Go pray your rosary. Go sit with the Lord. Go be with him. And then in 15 minutes, come back and we'll continue our conversation. And as I'm waiting in those 15 minutes, I'm about to drink some coffee. All right, you're back. And I'm back. We're back. So please don't ever stop praying no matter what. Don't stop praying. Do not leave Jesus. He loves you so much and it consoles his heart when you show up to him for him and only for him. Not for what he can do for you, will do for you, has done for you. But just for him, just love Jesus for Jesus. Uh, one of the a mystic I've read years ago, she said that one time she went to a church, and it was um, it was like an ugly church. But she went to go visit Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. And yes, I say there's an ugly church. Y'all know they got some objectively pretty churches and beautiful churches, and they got some hot mess churches that look nasty. Anyways, so 
she went to one of them nasty churches. And but she went for Jesus. She didn't go to see the beauty of the stained glass windows or the architecture or the statues. She went for Jesus. And he said, thank you so much for coming to see me for me and not just for the beautiful church that I'm currently living in inside this tabernacle. And so it means a lot to God when we just go to God for God, not for what God can do for us, but just for him. So please, like always visit Jesus in good times and bad and sickness and in health to death, to death, to be with the Lord. Now, as I was praying for you, Anonymous, I had three people come to my heart. Two of them are saints. One's a blessed. I'll start with the blessed and move my way up to the saints. One is Blessed Elizabeth Lisieux. Uh, She was a woman whose husband was an atheist. She was Catholic. Her husband was an atheist. And she prayed for him daily. And she fasted for him daily. And she offered penances for his conversion. And she shed many tears like you have. And she begged God for the grace to give her husband a profound conversion. And then she died. And she never saw the fruit of her prayer. Never did she see the fruit. However... I will say this, after she passed away, her husband found her journal. Her husband found her journal where she talked about and wrote about her love for her husband and her love for God and how she you know, prayed for her husband's conversion. And it really upset him. And so he went to Lourdes uh, to go disprove God's existence, to disprove miracles happening in Lourdes where Blessed Mother, Our Lady, appeared to St. Bernadette. So he gets to Lourdes and he goes as a scientist to disprove it. And he ends up having a radical conversion. And then he went to seminary and became a priest and then spent the rest of his life traveling around the world as a priest, sharing his testimony of his conversion through his wife's intercessory prayers that began while she was on earth and continued when she got to heaven. So she didn't see the fruit of her prayer until after she died and went to heaven. So uh, you may not see the fruit while you are on earth, but the goal is to keep praying. Another saint who didn't see the fruit of his prayers, of his many rosaries, of his penances is uh, Saint Paul, uh, Mark Yi Tai Ching. He's the Chinese saint I've spoken about many times. He was an opium addict, and uh, he was a doctor and a husband and a faithful Catholic who prescribed himself opioids because he was sick and became addicted to them, lost his family, lost his reputation, lost his job. But he never gave up on Jesus, and he kept praying and fasting and crying out to God to heal him. And he literally spent the rest of his life an addict, and he died an addict. Um, And so he didn't find freedom until he went to heaven. But he never gave up on prayer just because he didn't see the fruit of his prayer, because he didn't see freedom while he was on earth, does not mean that he gave up on Jesus. He loved Jesus for Jesus, not for what Jesus could do for him, would do for him. He just loved Jesus for Jesus. And that's how we ought to love Jesus as well. Finally, there's one more saint, St. Leopold, who is another person who did not see the fruit in his life. And so he was um, ethnically a Croatian. He had a desire to um, fulfill the heart of Jesus by bringing about unity in the body of Christ, specifically between the Catholics and the Orthodox. And that was his desire. That was his mission that he prayed for and fasted for. He even studied a number of different languages so that he could be able to communicate to people in their own voice to draw them to Jesus's heart and to draw them to unity as one church, as one bride, not two. He was not a fan of divorce. He was not a fan of separation. He wanted the church to be one. And so he he learned languages. He prayed. He fasted. He studied and, and then he was ordained. And after he was ordained, uh, he was uh, sent to a different place. 
and a different mission than the one that he really wanted to participate in. And for seven years, he uh, was not doing that which he felt God called him to do. And then finally, his superiors, they gave him a three-year period to minister to a predominantly Orthodox community to try to draw them back to the union with, with, with the Catholic community as well. So we could be one as Jesus prayed in John 17, but he didn't see any fruit in those three years. So then he was sent back to Italy and he ended up being in Italy for like decades. And uh, during that time, he heard confessions for like 14 or 15 hours a day. Uh, that was the main mission that, that his superiors gave him. And he, but still like long for unity. So he would spend four hours in prayer on his own, like apart from community prayer, four hours in addition to community prayer and intercession for the church to be one. Make us one, Father, Spirit, Son. Mm. We love you. We want to be just like you. Your glory is enough. So bind us with your love. We love you. Ah, yeah, that's so good. Make us one, Father. Yeah, I love, I pray for unity as well. Mm. Anyways, so long story short, he would pray for hours. And then finally, after all this prayer and obedience, his community finally sent him to, to do this mission that he felt called to do. And so when he was sent off to, to be able to like focus on uh, doing ministry between Catholics and Orthodox people to invite them to the table together, he literally did it for a week. And his community was like, up oh, the people miss you back here, so you have to come back to these people. And he never went back. And he never saw the fruit of his prayer. Um, and quite frankly, uh, the church is still divided. Right? Orthodox and Catholics still aren't sitting at the same table together. And so uh, he died. And he's a saint. But he literally didn't see the fruit, um, the external fruit out there of his, of his ministry. But he never gave up uh, on Jesus. And he kept praying and and. And he didn't have to see the fruit to be a disciple. He didn't have to see the fruit to be faithful to Jesus's command to pray. Like the, he says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. Again, when you fast, when you pray. So he's a saint, not because he saw the fruit, but because he never gave up on being in a relationship with God. St. Mark Tai Ching is a saint, not because he uh, experienced the fruit of being liberated from his addiction to drugs, but because he never gave up on God. Blessed Elizabeth of is a saint, not because she saw the fruit of her husband converting, but because she never gave up on God. So my encouragement to you is to cultivate a personal relationship with these saints, St. Leopold, Blessed Elizabeth, and St. Mark, and ask them to, to join you and to accompany you and to disciple you and to mentor you and to inspire you to never give up on Jesus, whether you see the fruit or not. Like we don't uh, participate in ministry, our apostolates, our our intercessory prayer groups to see fruit. We do it because it draws us to deeper union with God. Whether or not we see the fruit we want to see at all. It's all, it's all about God and about union with God, about relationship with God. That's what's most important. So that's what my encouragement would be for you. I'm going to go ahead and invite us to take another break now. Uh, and we're going to come back with our final question about engagement. Am I saved? How do I develop a better prayer life? How do I trust in God? The Curious Catholic is a new series of bite-sized books from Ascension that answer these questions and more. The Curious Catholic features small books from various authors that provide busy Catholics ways to go deeper into spiritual questions. 
The first three titles in the series are from Father Mike Schmitz, host of the Bible in a Year podcast. Father Mike's books explore the topics of salvation, prayer, and trusting in God. To learn more about the Curious Catholic series, go to ascensionpress.com slash curiouscatholic. That's ascensionpress.com slash curiouscatholic. All right, final question. Here we are. Uh, this, one, this one comes in from Jen. It's about engagement. Hey, Father Josh, my boyfriend and I recently got engaged, and we are excited to enter into the vocation of marriage, but also anxious about the future during these challenging times for Catholic families and our culture. What advice would you give us so that we can prepare for marriage this upcoming year? In addition to marriage preparation, how can we go deeper in prayer as a couple? And what habits, virtues, and practices can we adapt now so that we can be holy spouses and parents in the future? Thank you, Jen. I think there's a few things. Number one is, uh, and I've said this before, but like prioritize worship together. Like prioritize worship together now as an engaged couple, as a married couple. When I was in seminary, my rector used to always say as a seminarian, as a priest. What you do as a seminarian, you would do as a priest. If you're not praying as a seminarian, you're not going to pray as a priest. If you're not fasting now, you're not going to fast then. If you don't go out and mingle with other people, you're not going to do it as a priest. If you don't sit at the table with seminarians you don't like, you're not going to sit at the table with parishioners you don't like as a priest. So as a seminarian, as a priest. So as an engaged couple, as a married couple. So the first thing you must prioritize, I think, is with the Acts 242 apostles prioritize, which is worship of God, breaking of the bread. Put worship on your calendar. They also prioritize prayer. So I'd encourage you to in your in your home, in your apartment, in, in his home, in his apartment, which hopefully you're not sharing with each other, to have a sacred space of prayer. Um, if you've bought a house together and one of you is currently living in it and the other one's not there yet, then instead of like uh, sleeping in the bedroom where y'all are going to share together, make the bedroom a prayer room for now. Don't have any bed in there. Don't put the bed in there until you get married. And that way, whenever um, the other person comes over to visit, you can pray in that place, in that space, and prepare it for the gift that will take place there after after the sacrament of holy matrimony, but have a sacred space set up somewhere in your current apartments, our trailers, our homes, um, our condos or whatever, with a Bible, with a crucifix, uh, a candle, an image of our Blessed Mother, a journal. Um, That way, you are already not only worshiping God on Sundays, but during the week, you're holding each other accountable to prayer. Uh, Do this at a regular time and share this regular time with each other. That way you can you can really uh, encourage each other to be in relationship with Jesus so Jesus Christ can give you the graces that you will need to imitate him and love each other well. You cannot imitate Jesus unless you are looking at Jesus. So hold each other accountable to that because you don't have what it takes to fulfill each other, but Jesus does. And so you can share Jesus with each other if you daily prioritize receiving him uh, during your time of prayer. Uh, so I would encourage you to, yeah, have that space of prayer, pray regular times, go to Mass, worship God. Also have uh, fellowship with each other and with other holy couples. It's, it's good to surround yourself with other people who are disciples of Jesus Christ, who can mentor you, who can accompany you, who can help you to, 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 to learn and discern how, how they've gone through the different bumps and roads in their marriages. So have intentional fellowship with other holy couples, but also have fellowship with each other by dating each other. Um, now, if you don't date now, intentionally, then you're not going to date when you have kids and you get married. And so you're going to become like roommates who are just watching kids all the time. So I would encourage you to prioritize date nights with each other and communicate. Like have difficult conversations now. Um, Have difficult conversations with each other where you're able to talk about what's 
what's good and also what's not so good. Communication is so important for healthy businesses, for healthy cultures and parishes and churches, but also in families. And so communicate with each other superficial things uh, in the beginning, and that way you can communicate with each other on deeper things in the future. If you can share with each other now, um, like what you like and dislike with the minor things, then whenever you do get married and have kids, God willing, you can then communicate about the, the intimacy of the sexual act and what you like and what you don't like. You can communicate about parenting and what you like and what you don't like and what you approve of and disapprove of with regards to your children and the way you, that you parent them. Um, and so I would encourage you to, yeah, to also to do that. And finally, again, ask for the intercession of the saints who preceded us. The saints want to be put to work. So ask those holy families, those holy uh, men and women who've, who've also been canonized saints. Like, you know, John Paul II's parents, they're both servants of God right now. So that's a married couple you can look up to. St. Teresa's parents are both saints. You can look up to them. And there's so many others. Uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, holy family. So my encouragement is to, to, to reach out to those different saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity and ask them to, to pray for us, uh, intercede for us, to help us. Uh, to to grow in our relationship with God, um, with the church, and with each other. So, with that being said, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Josephine Bakita, pray for us. Servant of God, Thea Bowman, pray for us. Venerable Augustus Tolton, pray for us. Amen. All right, y'all. I will see you in the Eucharist. And if we don't get to meet on earth, hopefully we will meet in heaven.